0: All right. All right, so if you have your Bibles, please go to Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. If you don't have your Bible, we have uh, the message there uh, on, on the screen, where the scripture is there on the screen. It's a short verse, kind of an introduction to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Luke 6, uh, 46, this is Jesus talking, and he's saying this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? So we're going to be talking a little bit about what it means to be, uh, for, for God to be our Lord, for Jesus to be our Lord, and how that should affect our lives, but before I continue, I want to uh, just say something about next week. So next week we're starting a brand new series. It's called the Four Gifts of Christmas, and so that starts next week. Be sure to be a part of this. Bring your friends, bring your neighbors. We're going to be talking about four things that are gifts that Jesus brings to us in this uh, Christmas season. So that starts next week, and be sure uh, to be a part of that as as well. So, have you ever been in a grocery store or at the mall? And then there's this, this toddler that's just freaking out. He's just freaking out. He's like screaming and, and, and making a fit and just having this, this temper tantrum. And you're thinking in your mind, like, why doesn't somebody do something? You know, and the parents are just kind of on their phones. Like, you're supposed to be educating this kid, and you're letting him just freak out in this, um, in this public place. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been that parent? Okay, don't point if you know who that person is. But the, the thing is... You're thinking somebody should do something. Or even an adult. Have you ever seen an adult freaking out about something that is so small? Like they messed up their coffee order, right? Or like, oh, it's so stuffy in here, right? Or just complaining about, about things like, oh, I'm waiting in line and I, you know, I've been waiting here for five minutes. What's the deal? Like you're an adult and you're freaking out about something that is, that is so small. How about when that person is you? Like, I find myself doing things like that sometimes as well. And I grew up as a missionary in a third world country. That's where I grew up. No AC, only instant coffee, no, not many luxuries. Going out to eat, even if it was like a place like McDonald's, was a luxury. And then I realized that living here, how, how quickly I... I Notice that things that used to be luxuries, now I feel like they're somehow owed to me. Like I have this entitlement, you know. It's like, oh, I'd rather die than drink, you know, this coffee that's instant. I'm like, dude, you grew up drinking that. Who do you think you are? You know, "Ah, the food was all right. You know, the service was terrible. I'm like, dude, who are you? Like, what is this person that you have turned into, right? Have you ever been there? When certain things that used to be, you know, special to you, now somehow you feel like it's owed to you. You see, in life we can easily become self-serving over time. We think that now that we're at a certain stage in life, there's certain things that are owed to us. And that same thing can happen also in church. You know, you come to church and you're, and you're used to certain things being a certain way, you know. And you think about the church service And you're used to certain things, you know. Yeah, and then maybe maybe you're here and you and you walk away thinking that message really didn't do anything for me, or you're thinking, well, I would have maybe used a different graphic, or or it was a little hot in the service, you know, or the communion wafer didn't really have much flavor, right? (laughs) You know, they missed a few lyrics. The elder that prayed, he prayed a little too long. I didn't like the worship set this week. Last week was great, but this week wasn't as Good, and you're thinking, I'm thinking, what's, what's that all about? But on the flip side, you can say the same thing. Oh, the message made me feel so good. The graphics last Sunday were so beautiful, man. They nailed it in the temperature. The temperature was perfect, not too hot, not too cold. It was perfect, that's just exactly how, how I wanted it. The, the communion juice, oh, it was so delicious. I love how they chill it a little bit now. Isn't that like, that like that's a little nice touch? Oh, the lyrics were perfect. You know, the prayer length was amazing. You know, they got us out in time and they played my favorite songs. Do you see the problem here? You know, whether it's good or whether it's bad, we look at church, this church experience, as if it were something for us. In the church mentality, we have to, we have to fight having a consumer mentality. You know, as a staff, we can also fall into the same problem. You know, we're thinking, oh man, we got more people coming to church now. We must be doing something right. So we assume that if you walk away happy and you come back the next week, we just got to keep doing whatever we're doing because the result of that clearly is going to be beneficial for the numeric growth of our church. We have to be very careful about things like this, thinking that we got to keep doing what we're doing because people are enjoying it. You see, listen to this. This is so important. Even though our goal should never be for the church to be as miserable as possible for you, our sole goal cannot be for you to walk away and say, I loved it. Our only goal should be for God to look down at this church after the worship service and he will say, I loved it. You see, we're not here for ourselves. This is a worship service. And this is not a worship service for the congregation. It's a worship service for the Lord. I heard a pastor once say, somebody came up to him after service, and he's like, yeah, the worship really didn't do anything for me. And he's like, great, we weren't worshiping you. I think it was Francis Chan who said that. You see, the reason why I bring that up is because we need to clarify what it is that we're doing here. See, the book of Malachi, which is an Old Testament minor prophet, he wrote this, you know, a hundred years after the Israelites had returned from Babylon, and they had adopted some of the pagan practices, and they were coming back and kind of mixing, you know, the worship of God with other worship, and God wasn't happy with that. Malachi 1.6 says this. son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you priests who show contempt for, not for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? So he's saying a son honors his father. And he's saying a slave honors his, his master. Now, nowadays, it's harder and harder to find children that will, like, honor their parents. But in the Old Testament, if you didn't honor your parent, you were stoned to death. Some parents are like, we should, we should bring that back. I kind of I like that, that law, you know, that might work. But the point he's trying to make here is that there's an assumption being made that, that children honor their parents, right? And that, and that servants will honor their, their masters. And he's saying, hey, when you pray, you call me Lord. When you pray, you call me Father. Maybe you're here today and when you pray, when you, you say, hey, you say Lord, right? Or you say Father when you, when you pray, but my question to you this morning is, do you really understand what it means for someone to be your Lord or for someone to be your, your father? What that means is that whatever he says, you do. Whatever your father says for you to do, you will do and you will honor him. And Jesus says the same thing in the New Testament. We just, we just read it, Luke 6, 46. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. You're saying you are my Lord, which means I am your servant. And what determines whether this is true or not is not what you say, but how you live. Are you contradicting what you say with how you're living your life? Lord, Lord. Lord God, I pray for that. Like, is he your Lord? Is he my Lord? Problem is that many of us have it a, have a flipped. We treat, we, treat, we treat God like our servant, and, and we think we are his master. Like, God, please do this for me. Please do that for me. I really need this. I really need that. I'm like, wait, at what moment did this thing get flipped? See, we want God to do our will. And Jesus is saying, either you do what I say, well, stop calling me Lord. Don't say, my, I'm your Lord, when you don't do what I say. You see, what's happening in, in Israel is that God was confronting them through the prophet. And what he was saying is that their service, their worship, was unacceptable. God was telling the Israelites that their service, from the eyes of God, was Unacceptable. Verse 7, I'm going to read uh, 7 through, through 9. It says this. This is God speaking to Israel. He's saying, by offering defiled food on my a- altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When, you're, when you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? You see, the Old Testament sacrifices, it was understood that you would bring God your very best. They would bring money. They would bring uh, food. They would bring animals. And what was happening here is that God wasn't pleased with the Israelites because what they would bring was defiled food. They would bring blind animals and they would bring diseased animals. We see it from the Old Testament, Cain and Abel. Like, remember that story? Like, you bring your best to God. So imagine these people who had all these animals, all this cattle, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to give an offering to God. And they're looking at everything that they have. And they're like, oh, yeah, that one looks a little blind. That one looks a little skinny. <sighs> that one looks too healthy. Like, let's just, get, let's just get this one over here, and then we'll, we'll sacrifice that, that to God. And then God is saying, do you think that I am pleased with your leftovers? But here's the thing. That's Israel, right? Are we any different? see, when we look at what we have, when we look at our time and our money and our energy and our talents, let's be honest now. Can you honestly say that you're selecting from all that you have and making sure that what you give to God is only and exclusively the very best that you have? Or are we looking for Whatever is left, the thing that you might not use anyway, or what you were giving away anyway, or just whatever is left at the end. My question to you this morning is this Do you believe that God is happy with that? Malachi says, Try offering them, he says, try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? What if we tried doing this with our government? Can you imagine tax season comes around? You're like, okay, here's what I'll do. I'm going to send a $25 Target gift card to the IRS and a note that says, sorry, this is all I got left. Would that be acceptable? How would that go for you? You see, the question here is, is, do you... The, the government won't under, This is the point that, that, that the prophet was making that try offering that to your governor. See how that goes. I'll ask you and I the same question. Try giving that to the government. How will it go for you? Would he accept this? And here's what many do I'm going to try an example here. So here's a little thing of water. Imagine this is all your time in this little bottle of water. Okay, you got time, you got a certain amount of time in the day, right? How are you going to use it up? Well, work, right? Okay, I got to go to work. got to spend time with my kids, right? That's a little more time, right? Time with a wife. You got to spend time with a wife. A little bit of social media, a little entertainment. Mm. You know, got to work out. You know, got to try to stay healthy. That's some more time. Oh. you got to eat too, right? You cannot eat. Okay. And what do you got left? I'm going to give God some, well, it's not a lot, but there's a few drops there. All right. Okay. Let's see if we can, there's a little more. All right. That's what we do. Many times that's what we do with God. We do that with our, with our time. What about our money? Some of us do the same thing with our money. Hey, first I got to buy the house that I want. I got to drive the car that I want to drive. I got to take my schools to the best school. I got to go to the the restaurant that I that I love. I got to do the entertainment. Like I have to entertain myself. Like I got to do all these things, and then at the end of the day, you ask yourself the question: How much? How much do I have? How much do I have left? And then you give that to God. Verse ten says this. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors, so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. That is a crazy thing that God says. I'm going to read that part again. He says, Oh, he says, Oh, that one of you would just shut the doors of the temple. Just shut the door. Like, don't even bother. Just shut the door. Just close the doors of the temple. Now think about that for a moment. There are thousands of churches right now that are having service at this moment all across the United States. And God is, is perhaps looking down at some of those churches. And he's looking at the, what the churches are offering him. And he's saying, just shut the doors. Just like I'm not pleased with that worship. I don't ever want to be that church, ever. I don't ever want to be that church that God will look at and say, just shut those doors. Don't even bother. I want to be a church where God looks down at our worship and He says, man, that's worship. That's who I believe God wants us to be and He wants us to be that church. The problem is I don't think we understand God. It's possible that many of us here, we just don't understand who God is. We, we somehow believe that he's okay with our leftovers. Like we're just, oh, there's a little like Like he's like, at least he gave me something, you know. Hey, thank you. Like God is up in heaven saying, oh, thank you for coming to church today. Oh, thank you for, for taking a little time out of your schedule and praying. Thank you for cracking your Bible open once this week, even though it was for one minute. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your little offering. Thank you for praying. Like, some of you believe that that's God. In heaven, he's like, oh, I need your worship. Like If you don't worship me, like I don't know what I'm going to do. That's not who God is at all. Verse 11 says this. He says my name this is God my name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations says the lord almighty God is saying this hey i am i am great i am great whether you worship me or you don't worship me, I have plenty of people that will. I don't need your worship. And if this is the type of worship that you offer me, just don't even bother. So the question this morning is, how are we doing? How are we doing with this? I'm asking myself that very question, by the way. This is not, hey, you guys need to change. Like I'm looking at my own worship. I heard a pastor preaching about the church in China. So he went to China to visit this, this church, this big church. And he, service started at 9. He gets there at about 8.30, walks in, and he realizes that the church is packed. And everyone's singing. And he's like, that's weird. I think I, I must be late because church already started, you know. So he, he realizes that, that then the church started at 9, but everyone was there at 8.30 worshiping. And, and then he asked, hey, why were people here so early? Like they were literally singing to God before the worship service started. And the answer was this. They were rehearsing the songs that they were going to sing. Because when time comes to worship God, they want to give Him their very best. So my question to you this morning is, are you giving Him your very best? If you're not, God is saying, I have plenty of people who will worship me and who will Give me their best. But it's important to know that, that the heart of God is not, this is very important, the heart of God is not condemning, oh, you guys are so terrible, I don't like you guys because your worship is not enough. No, 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 that's not, that's not the heart of God. That's not his goal, for you to walk away just feeling guilty about yourself and I'm like, oh, I'm just a terrible worshiper. That's not his goal. God does not want the doors to be closed. He doesn't want that. He wants us to worship him properly. And because he wants to bless you, that's the so interesting thing about God. It's not that he just, he's like, oh, if you don't do this, you're terrible. He's like, I, you will be blessed. If you worship me and you give me your best, you will be blessed. Malachi chapter three. verse. uh, I'm gonna start at verse seven. The second half of verse seven says this. He says, return to me and I will return to you. He's talking to the Israelites. Remember, they were, they were, not offering God their best. and He says, return to me, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal, God is saying, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. So so why did God want them to return to him? Because he wanted to bless them. Because he wanted to prosper them. Because he wanted to love them. And he wanted to shower them with joy. Nowhere that it says if you give $10, God's going to make you a millionaire. Never says that. But he does because we know that, that happiness does not come as a result of money. We know that. But what God is saying is that if you bring me your best, you will be more blessed as a result of you giving than withholding. You will be more blessed. That is a promise. It is a promise. So what does God say? You get this, right? Hey, what's, what's going on here? First thing, if you want to return to me, number one, stop robbing me. God's saying that to the Israelites. Stop ripping me off. And then they're like, how have we been robbing you? He says, first, in your tithes and your offerings. You have been giving me your leftovers, your diseased animals. whatever's left, whatever you're not going to use anyway, whatever you don't like, that's what you've been bringing. He says, start by changing that. So my question to you today is, are you giving God your leftovers? Or are you honestly selecting from all that you have and making sure that what you give God is only and exclusively the very best that you have? I got very convicted about this uh, this week, and before I, I say what I'm about, about to say, I need you to know... When it comes to financial giving at this church, I don't know, I don't know who gives what. Like, I, I, I honestly don't know what each person gives here, and I don't want to know. The reason why I don't want to know is because I never want to be in a conversation with someone, and that person's saying something that, like, is making me uncomfortable or something I disagree with, and then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, and on top of that, he doesn't even give. I don't even want to have that. On the other hand, I don't want to give anyone I don't want to have the temptation of giving anyone special treatment because of how much they give. I don't want that. I want, I want to have a pure heart when it comes to this. But what I do know is that every Monday, I get, I get an email with, with two numbers on it. The first number is church attendance, which I'm very pleased with because you've noticed like it's, there's not as many empty chairs around anymore, which is really good, and that makes me really happy. In fact, our average attendance last uh, year was 182, and then this year it's been at about 250, a little bit a little bit more. So that's, that's like 37% growth, right? Okay, don't, don't get too excited, because that's the first number. Now, the second number is the financial giving, like, like what was given this week, and that number has gone down. Now, I understand the economy is terrible. Like, I get it. I completely get it. But I crunched some numbers, and I'm not very good at numbers, but I did crunch some numbers. And here's the realization that I came to, is that if, if every person, and I made an average of your income, I have no idea what you give, but I, I did the, like, the average, and then I shaved off like 20%. And I said, if everyone, every adult gave a full tithe, our yearly budget would be over double what we have now. Okay. Honestly, I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about how much comes into the church in a financial given. He's been with us for 154 years, and he will continue to be with us. That's not my concern. My concern as a pastor is what that number tells me. That number tells me that many of you, maybe a lot, so a lot of you are calling God Lord. And you are calling him Father, but you are giving him your leftovers. And God is not pleased with this. Now, the beautiful thing is that God doesn't want anything from you. What he wants is for you, and he doesn't need your money. What he wants is for you. So he says, and see, right, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour on you so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. That's the pro- he, He's promising you this, okay? Have you ever been watering? You're watering the grass, right? Watering the grass, And all of a sudden you pull the thing and it's like it cuts off. What happens there, right? So you're watering and it's like, there's no water coming out. What do I do? So you go down the hose and you realize down here that it's folded. And then you unfold it and then all the water starts flowing out again. This is what God is saying. You see, by you holding back on giving God your best, you are robbing yourself of this flow of blessings that is so abundant that you will have not enough room to even store it. Now, I am very weary of the prosperity gospel. And I just want to make sure that what, I'm, that what is not being said here is that if you give God a certain amount of money, that he will give you more money than you have given. That is not what the Bible says. What it does say is that you will be more blessed. And all of us know that happiness does not come from money. But if you stop giving God your leftovers and give Him your very best, He will give you a blessing that you will have not enough room to store. And here's the calling. Whatever this means for you. I'm going to close with this. Whatever this means for you, give God your best. And the reason why you give God your best is because God gave you. Through the death and resurrection of His Son, He gave you his best let's close our eyes here for a moment I'm going to have a I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray this is a moment for you if we could just close our eyes and bow bow our heads here see some of you have been missing out on so many blessings from God and I know maybe you are here. you look at your finances and you're like there's no way you look at your time and there's there's no way you look at what God has given you and you're thinking this is an impossibility So whatever it is that God is calling you to do, I want you to think about this and realize that the result of you obeying God will be that you will enter into a new phase of love, of blessing, of joy, and you will be closer to God than you've ever been. Let's pray together. Lord God, I want to pray this morning for everyone here. I thank you for the message today. And thank you, God, because you've allowed for so much peace to be in this church. Thank you, God, because we're not, we don't have to preach these messages out of, out of need or out of, oh, we don't know what we're going to do. Or we don't know where the money's coming from. We, we understand that this is a heart issue and this is a personal issue. And it's an issue of worship. And it's an issue of giving to you our very best. Lord God, we don't want to be a church where you look down and say, that's not even worship. That's just people being self-serving and people coming to church because they want something for themselves. I don't want to be that church, Lord. I'm not saying that we're that church. I just don't want to be, ever be that church. And I pray, God, that each one of us here will, will look at what we have and ask ourselves, are we giving you our leftovers or are we giving you our very best? Lord God, you gave us your best through Jesus. And we just want to follow in your footsteps knowing that everything that we have, we receive from you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.